Well, welcome to our um, Adoption Foster Care Seminar. Uh, we're super proud of those who have heard the Lord, actually took the time to listen, and are seeking to, to do what he's calling you to do. And that's, that, that takes guts. So we'll just start the day with prayer. Thank you, Lord, that um, you adopted us when we do, totally didn't deserve it. And uh, we um, are eternally thankful for the exuberant amount of blessings that you give us to help us through everything you call us to do. And part of that is being obedient to you. So we thank you and uh, ask that you'd help us to um, help us, all of our speakers here today, to just hear you say what we want, help us to say what you want us to say, and to, um, to just help each other out, because we're all in the body of Christ. So um, we, we want to work together and, and team up and, and uh, be the hands and feet of you to love those who really need it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Welcome. Um, today, I, uh, I've sat down the other day and I said, you know, um, what's life kind of all about? And that's basically, to me, it's asking the Lord, you know, what's he calling you to do? And obviously that starts with Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. So, um... When you're pondering the whole idea of adoption, some, some people are super into social justice. Look what I've done, yippee skippy. This is not that. This is a rough road. It is a super big blessing. It's also a big amount of, of effort that you're gonna have to come up with and you need to have that effort be drawn and received by you from the Lord. And that is only done when you're walking in obedience. That he, he provides all we need, but you've really got to be sure. Be careful your motives that they're seeking only to obey God when you're thinking about doing foster care or adoption. And then you'll be sure he'll equip you to do what he calls you to do, because we all know he equips those who are unequipped. <laughs> it's part of the faith journey. Um, also know that you'll be tempted to sin and be self-seeking and backing away from obeying God's call in your life. Um, and Matthew 7, 8, for everyone who asks, receives. And so it's, again, staying rooted in the Lord, being sure you're praying, being sure you're doing what he's calling, and then he's going to help you. So um, if you're in that boat of thinking about adopting, um, my first suggestion would be, to get a group of prayer supporters, friends who are going to be there. They're going to be there. They're going to walk you through the ups and downs. And isn't that just normal parenting? You know, basically, it's life. We all need a support system. Um, and I really recommend that you can get informed um, of common challenges and understanding why they arise. So. You know, I, I, I had a meeting at our church. <laughs> Leslie and I went with our elders, and I said, so I think we need to start an adoption group. And I want you all, all you elders who are sitting comfy in your chairs, you got your wife at home, to say, oh, you have to step out of your marriage and go marry someone else. 
and you have to love them. Lots of luck. Ha ha, are you kidding? What are you thinking? There is no way, right? That's not how it works. Well, that's kind of like kids in adoption and foster care. They're put in a home and with these expectations that they're going to love their mom and dad. Yippee skippy, it's all going to be happy. Uh, no. <laughs> so I want to help you kind of help them to help, help you to understand what's going on in their heart and mind so you can facilitate the bonding. And with the bonding, obviously, it's... Um, this is, this is Relationship Building 101, and that goal is to keep establishing trust over and over. Okay, so number two, if you're certain God is of God's call, you need to share it with your support system. To, they're going to help hold you accountable. Uh, so they can remind you of the, in the hard times that it's, it's not about you it's about what God's calling you to do, and it's about God and the children that he's calling you to serve. So there will be emotionally painful times when you need supportive people. And I have a wonderful friend <laughs> who would like to share with you today. Her name is Sandy. <laughs> Hello. My name is Sandy, and my husband Randy is over here. And um, our story was one that we could not have any biological children. And so we pursued adoption, which we had talked about before we got married, that that was something we were open to. And so we started the process about a year and a half after we got married. And after about five years, we um, were able to adopt. We went through an agency, but um, this one situation came through a friend of ours that contacted us that was working with a, another bir um, birth mom and was trying to help that birth mom find an adoptive family. So we met with that birth mom and her mother, and we moved forward, all feeling that that was right for all of us. That was in October of 99, and the little baby boy was born in um, November of 99. So this all happened in about a month's time. And that was on, a, um, we got a call on November 20th that um, he was, that the birth mom was in labor. So we, it was early in the morning, so we hopped up and got to the hospital and, um, we weren't in the room, but we were there when he was born and got to meet him. And um, they were in the hospital until Sunday when we got to bring little Brayden home. And so that was on Sunday, and that Thursday was Thanksgiving. And it was the first day that um, pretty much any of our family got to meet him. That evening, we came home to a phone call that everything was falling apart. And the birth mom um, did not feel that this was the right situation, and she wanted to find another family. So the day after Thanksgiving, the day after everybody had just met him, we had to call them and tell them we have to take him back. That was crushing, obviously. Um, but 
different family members had, um, there's a family member that had given us a book called Storms in the Desert. And on December 13th, I opened it to that date in the book, and God gave me a verse that helped. In fact, I forgot to get my Bible here. And it was um, Isaiah 45, 3. It says, I will give you the treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. That verse, and, and the surrounding verses, it's more kind of where it's almost a war situation, that, that how God is in control of it and is working through and is going to use it as a blessing. And so jump forward to February of 2000, and we, um, I'm sitting at a coffee shop with my friend, and my husband texts and calls me and says, Are you, can you talk? The agency just called. And we got a call that day that there was a little baby that had been born December 26th, and that they were asking us to come pick him up. So we picked him up on two days later on February 11th, and he is now 19 years old. <laughs> that would not have happened if the first situation had happened. Um, and it's been such a blessing, and the support, she was one of the main people <laughs> Because we walked, we walked through our situations side by side together. And because of the situation with Brayden, when we got the call about our son Jordan, I freaked and was concerned, you know, scared to death that the same, thing, same kind of thing was going to happen, even though we knew that it was a completely different situation. And she was saying... <laughs> You're doing this. Go get him, and I'll I'll move in with you for a while. <laughs> you need that kind of support. You need people around you that can, even if they have not experienced it, that will just be there to support you. And if when you do find somebody that can experience, like for my situation or our situation. Um, we didn't know anybody who had gone through something like we did and stuff. So it was our other friends and family that just kind of came around us and stuff. But having somebody that does understand that is really important. And so that's, I've always kind of tried to seek out others that may be going through situations like that to be able to be an encouragement and support to them. So... Thank you so much. Wow. Well, if that doesn't tell you you need a good friend support network, I don't know what does. <laughs> oh, I'll, thank you. Okay. So um, 
I hope you wrote down that verse reference. So for Sandy, I gave her First uh, John, John 4, 4, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And you're always going to come back to that. You, this, is, this job is way too hard for anybody, but God, he's got it nailed for you. Okay, so our third point, uh, be prepared for the emotional roller coaster by remain, reminding yourself that God is greater. And one of the greatest joys in life is to, to having the privilege of being a mother and a father. And there's so much joy, but also there's a fair amount of ups and downs. There's roller coasters in every, in every, every relationship. Uh, remember, God equips those he calls. Uh, and I gave my friend Leslie this part. Uh, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and you will be amazed. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm Leslie Porter, and my husband, and I'm married to Brad. We have 10 kids, um, three, the oldest three, so 25 down to 10 years old. The oldest three are our biological sons, so we didn't really, we started the, we had kind of had, we had these three little boys and they were uh, a lot of fun, a big handful, but we thought it'd be nice to have a little girl someday. So we kind of talked about, well, maybe someday we'll adopt a little girl. And we had friends at our church that lived around the corner, uh, the Sullivans, and they adopted Nikki and Alex from Russia and then went back and adopted Alona. And we had them over for dinner one night and talked, and um, well, actually, first they invited my boys and I over swimming, and my boys went over there, and I think the youngest was kindergarten, and maybe the oldest was maybe third grade or something, and the boys came home and said, Nikki and Alex got a sister, how come we can't have a sister? Uh, yeah, so I told Brad, and he said, let's have Camille and Patrick over for dinner, so we did, and um, it was great, because Camille pulled out her filing cabinet and said, we worked with this one agency and lost $5,000, and here's the, so she told me every step of the way. So we went to Russia and adopted Lana, who was 14 months old, and is now almost 17. And then, um, I think, we were talking about this last night um, at dinner, and it basically, I think, going from, we live in Los Altos, going from Los Altos to a Russian orphanage, it just broke our hearts because, I mean, Los Altos, every, every kid at school has got so much support and their parents are pouring everything into them and all their finances and all their love and, you know, you go to soccer game and everybody's cheering them on and stuff. And we went there and there's hundreds of kids in the orphanage with nobody. Um, so we intended just to have a daughter, but then we came home and then after a few months, Brad would be good. You know, I think Lana needs a sister. Because her first word was ball. She was following all those boys around. So then we went back and adopted Megan um, from Russia. And then we went and adopted Amy from Guatemala as a baby. And then we went to Ethiopia and adopted Kalkin as a six-year-old. And then we went back and adopted Tuam, who's about three and then we went to China and adopted Lee. And well, we just we were first just adopting Toby, who was five. And then there was a little boy that was nine who had a um, birthmark around his face. And I just showed Brad 
because we'd worked at Hewlett Packard and there'd been a manager several levels above us that had that same birthmark. We're like, this is not a special need. And Brad's like, oh, write and find out information. We're, we're going to be at nine kids. I'm, I don't think I can do it. Um, Brad's like, just, just write and ask the agency. And I go, you know, if we write and ask the agency, we'll end up adopting him. But um, at that point, my dad was dying of cancer. And I thought, I have been blessed all these years with the most amazing parents. And it's like, how much harder is it going to be for to have one more kid? Um, and so I felt like the Lord really used that situation to say, um, yeah, it's going to be a little harder for me, but wow, this kid deserves to have parents. I certainly had been blessed with great family. So anyway, so that's our story. I mean, there's lots of ways to become a family, um, and we've approached adoption in different ways and stuff. But um, I've, at least we've found out it, it, there is some hard, but we've gained Brad and I would say, we would do it all again in an instant, in a heartbeat. We've gained so much more than we've given um, that it's been a really big blessing to our family. Well, thank you, Leslie. That was absolutely beautiful, as it always is. I love hearing your story. And... Uh, I, Leslie is so positive. I, I don't hear the, the pitfalls. All I hear are the mountaintops. So I just, what a girl. Well done. <laughs> so obedience, she did it. Well done. Okay. Um, this next uh, number four point, your plans for one, for one specific child can be changed. And so when you go into uh, considering adoption and you hear about a child, it's important for you to keep your hand open because your plans may not be who God has planned for you. And obviously that was you, Sandy. But um, our friend uh, who moved away, her, her name's Lana, and uh, she hosted people, girls from uh, Russia. They come over for the summer. And... You know, everything stopped with adoption. Everything was shut down. And so the, all she could do was host. So she had hopes of, um, like, trying to adopt, just trying before the deadline. And so she had her, her, her girls come over. She really wanted to adopt them. And she was planning on having them come again for a visit. And there was some things going on financially in Russia with the orphanage. And it ended up that our friend Lana, her heart was just broken because she had already had these girls in her home. She really bonded with them. She wanted to adopt them. And it didn't, it didn't pan out. So, you know, <laughs> the Lord gives and he takes away. Job 121. Just... Um, Remember, the Lord is blessed, and he is worthy of honor, and we don't always understand. And then our fifth point, uh, sometimes God calls you to love those who really uh, can't love you back. And there are children who just have too many scars to heal. And uh, my friend Lori here is going to share about her story. Thank you. Hi, I'm Lori Kurgis, and um, as I was thinking about how to encourage people in the journey of uh, parenting either adopted children or foster children, I thought uh, 
it's really important to have a strong foundation of unconditional love. And that's where they're parenting any children, right? Um, so I learned unconditional love from my mom. I'm the second of five children. And my mom and dad raised, raised us as Catholics, so we knew the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So we knew the love of um, the Trinity. But we didn't know the personal relationship. Um, and then my dad, he had more of a wandering eye, and he left our family and left my mom with five kids, ages 3 to 13. But my mom loved us unconditionally. She was there for us. She kept us all together. So I learned that from her. But in the process, I told myself, I'm never going to be a single parent. <laughs> it's too hard. It's too painful. Well, then I became a born-again Christian in my early 20s, and I learned more about God's unconditional love for me. And in 1997, I was on staff full-time at a Presbyterian church, and part of my job was to lead a mission team to Russia, to an orphanage there, to run summer camp for two weeks for kids, since we lived in the orphanage with the kids. And your heart just breaks. There's 160 children in an orphanage that was built to house 90, and there's just not enough staff people to love everyone. And they have the younger kids in a separate building, but then the older kids are all in one giant building with not even flushing toilets or things like that. I mean, they're just living, barely getting by, but the people there are trying to love them. Uh, but I, my heart broke, and I met two young girls. The girls were both 11, both named Katya, and they're from different biological families, but they really connected to me. And so we built this relationship, but then, you know, you go away after the summer camp is done, but our relationship continued. I went back uh, three years in a row as a team leader, and that connection with these two young girls just really kept growing. So at some point, I think about the third mission trip there, the Lord said to me, I want you to adopt these two girls. And so I made a deal with God. I said, okay, when you bring my husband. So I prayed for three years, and I dated people, thinking, who is it, who is it? But, um, but the Lord didn't bring that husband for me. And he said, I will be your husband. So um, in, in the United States, the limit to adopt internationally is 16. So when the girls were turning 15, I went to Russia and asked them if I could adopt them. And they said, yes, we've been waiting for you to ask us that. So we started the process. And so right at the margin of 16, I was able to adopt them. So in 2002, they came uh, with me from Russia. And I realized they're leaving their whole world so I should experience one more part of their world. They, asked me, they kept asking me to go back to Russia in the winter. <laughs> and I said, no, I don't want to go in the winter. Finally, at Christmas time, right before the adoption uh, went through, I visited them, and we had our first Christmas together in Russia. So we, they, we had built this relationship of trust over the years. But then when we got to the United States, and when I adopted them, they started to just emotionally unravel. They were 16 years old, and I started to emotionally unravel. You know, we didn't speak, I didn't speak Russian. They didn't speak English. We had translators, but... You know, the Lord kept showing me how to love them unconditionally. And that's what they need most. They need to know the Heavenly Father's love. And uh, he wanted me to represent that for them. Even in my weakness, even in the trials, even in the challenges. And then when my daughter, one of my daughters was 18, she had a boy, a baby boy. And I was like, wow, now what do we do? So now I'm raising a baby boy as a single mom. And my daughter just wasn't emotionally ready to do that herself. So I became his legal guardian. So now I've been raising my kids. Uh, my daughter's pretty much separated pretty early on from us, but I've been raising uh, my son. So I have uh, I renamed them to Rachel Katya and Rebecca Katya and Michael. Uh, so Michael is now 14, and my daughters are 33. And the Lord still walks with us. But something I learned, too, is that the children are really broken. I thought, you know, I have my own brokenness. And when I see 
how I struggle with God. I thought, wow, how much more can I expect from them? And they've been through so much. They've had so many scars and abuse and things they've endured in their, in their journey. Uh, but the Lord has been with me, and he taught me also there's another thing called reactive attachment disorder, RAD. And so my daughters both have that. So I take on a lot of the blame for things that they're hurting about, um, a lot of attacks, even physical attacks that I've gone through. Um, they push me away constantly. But you know what? God said, keep showing them that unconditional love. And when they're in need, they still come back to me. They still come back. And then uh, they bring me joy. Michael, I mean, what a joy and a delight he is. He's like probably the best 14-year-old you ever meet. And that's because of God's grace and um, how he's worked in Michael's life. And Michael just has the great personality. And, but I love all three of my children. And even through um, the trials, God keeps giving me the strength to love them. And, and I'm human, too. I have weakness. We all have weaknesses. So don't expect yourselves to do everything perfectly, uh, but just keep loving them unconditionally. Uh, one thing that helped me also, great thing that helped me, is a community of support, as a single mom especially. So, um, you know, Rebecca and Sandy and Leslie and many others who I know who have um, adopted children and fostered children um, have really come alongside me. And other parents who are raising their own children Really, that community of support is so important. So really build that ahead of time. And it's just a great blessing and a joy to have children, and they bring that joy to us that only can come through God. So I encourage you to not let anything stand in the way of your loving unconditionally a child who God puts on your heart. Thank you. Wow, excellent. Very good. Is that fantastic or what? All right. Thank you very much for sharing. I uh, really, I know God, God uses our, our trials. Okay, number six. When you look back on your adoption journey, you begin to see that God has been teaching you through difficulties, how to empathize with your children. They feel uh, abandoned and rejected. Somebody pushed them away. They are hurting. And so it makes sense that they put these painful emotions back on us to try to seemingly push us away. Uh, they feel unlovable and rejected by their family of origin, uh, so they can project their emotional pain onto you as their caretaker. But God is enough, and he has everything necessary to get you through. So the wounds that you receive only bring about the beauty of Christ, and sacrifice brings humility. Loving someone who can't love you back really reflects God's character. This is, brings glory to God if you don't complain and sin. And uh, James 1, 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you incur various trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and uh, produce, produces endurance which bears fruit. And... Uh, steadfastness, and it has a full effect that it helps you, makes you perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So um, James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trials, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised those who love him. Bench players don't ever get a reward. So point number seven Give full devotion to whatever the challenges God puts you in. Uh, my friends are done talking, so now I get to share. Um, okay, so 
I wanted kids at age five. <laughs> I finally got married and uh, we tried for seven years and then I broke my leg and they almost took my leg off at the knee and the Lord's like, hey, I have to have you trust me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not about, it's, you just need to learn to trust me. So amazingly, they left my, my leg on, this lovely scar, and he healed me, and I can walk. And so when uh, we were in the adoption road, and I did this in July, and then uh, my birthday was March 13th. So the beginning of March, I was able to walk downstairs, which was monumental because I busted my leg the 9th of July. So by the time March came, I had recovered enough to walk. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, God, he must have made that timing such that I could carry a baby and walk. What a great guy, great idea, <laughs> right? So we got a call, and uh, we all used Bethany Christian Services. We uh, went through a wacky, crazy, spiritual attack time of, whew, my golly goodness, um, we brought my lovey girl home, Elizabeth, on my birthday. It's God's beautiful timing. I was 30. And uh, we, I called Sandy a couple days before. We were going to court, and my daughter's, uh, her birth father was fighting for her in court, and the, those birth grandparents, and then I had people, the birth mother's grandparents were fighting for my daughter to go to foster care. And the judge said, option A, uh-uh. Option B, uh-uh. C, you, come get your child. Woohoo! So <laughs> we brought our daughter home, and it was like, whew, what a roller coaster. And that was, <sighs> that was after, I, I don't know, like seven or eight failed adoptions. So um, I, I'm just laughing because before all this finally happened, this adoption happened, one of the times when our failed adoption occurred, um, I'm a pediatric nurse, and I came home and told my husband, you know, the birth family said that they just think that we live too close to them because it was one of our patients. And I said, well, praise the Lord, we're not on fire. <laughs> you can always praise the Lord about something, right? <laughs> so uh, God helped us. Uh, and one way that God works is that, at least in our marriage, you know, when I was saying that, that we're not on fire, my husband was at a super, super low emotionally. He was super low. And then we would swap places. So it, it's a blessing how God comforts, comforts us. Uh, God's timing is perfect. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, he knows the plans for me. And, you know... He gets you emotionally, mentally, spiritually at a place where then he knows you're ready. Then he blesses you. So don't resent his timing. He's getting you ready for the next bit of stairs that you have to climb. Um, it was immense joy getting to love our daughter. Uh, yet uh, my greatest fault was anger rooted in fear of lack of control over my daughter's complaining. And uh, 
human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And, you know, she had anger at her birth mom for placing her and all that stuff, the instability in her first two and a half years of life. Uh, I got it. She put it onto me. And so it, it, it was absolutely painful. And um, it was tough. I have to tell you, it was tough. It was hard having a kid that's whiny and angry and like, can we not be happy? <laughs> can we please? <laughs> but the Lord was trying to teach me patience. So point number eight is patience. Waiting for seven years, then after getting Elizabeth, I just wanted to change her. And I couldn't. But God was trying to change me. And uh you know, the good old verse, count it all joy, James James 1, 4. When you fall into diverse temptations for the trial you're in, for the, your faith worketh patience. And patience was what he was teaching me. And oh, God wanted me to respond to my daughter's complaining with the fruits of the Spirit. And love, joy, peace, patience, always, always. So that's my challenge to you guys. Don't give in to the flesh. They're going to make you mad. They're going to try. They're going to poke and prod and twist and uh, But you keep it together. Rely on the Lord. Pray through it. If you need to send them to the room, just have a little space. Because tantrums and anger are like a rainstorm. They come and they go. Give them a little time. Let the rain come down. Separate. Cool off. And then... Gives you time to say, hey, what the heck am I going to do, Lord? Would you please help me? When they're not yelling or, you know, having a cow, whatever. Then you get your head on and can approach the situation in a godly fashion, never giving into the flesh, never talking without compassion. That was something, was a hard road for me to learn. But God helped me. And I'd say that I... I didn't really do so hot with my oldest. My second, he was angelic. <laughs> the third, whew, we are back in the trenches, man. <laughs> but I got a little help. <laughs> I got some experience, so praise the Lord. Okay, so, you know, uh, I just learned that you cannot correct with complaining and lecturing. That doesn't work. It just, it, she's just going to shut down. And so I was given an opportunity for a new venue to learn patience with a new challenge. So, okay, so I have, okay, my husband, I got married, 89, seven years, finally I became parents. So I had a two-and-a-half-year-old, we brought her home. And then in, like, about the same time, 99, I was listening to folks on the family and heard about Nightlight Christian Adoptions, Snowflake Embryo Adoption. <laughs> program. <laughs> so uh, it took me about a month. I had all the paperwork done. We got matched. And remember that wonderful word, patience? Guess what? It took 10 months after we were matched with a family. Oh my gosh. So what happens is this. People do IVF. They create a bunch of embryos. They pick the best ones. They put them in. They get pregnant. And then they freeze these. Then they're like, holy moly, they got three babies. I can't take any more. What do I do with these? Oh, well, let's place them for adoption, okay? So 
we all have an adoption profile, we got matched, everything's peachy keen, but they did their matching, their, their embryo stuff was done in a military hospital and there was no way that military would go along with our plan, <laughs> so it took 10 grueling months. Finally, they shipped the embryos to my doctor and then I got to carry and that's how uh, child number two, Joshua, came along. So um, we uh, proceeded, what was it, seven tries, 53 embryos made it to heaven, two made it to earth. Joseph came, and he is, so Joshua's 18, Joseph is, just turned 12. And um, it's intense joy, but, you know, here we are learning patience again. Uh, it's also tricky, the desire to bond with Elizabeth, you can see why she would be jealous. Because here, she's two and a half, I get a baby, I'm bonding a lot, and then there's a lot more friction. So she's kind of feeling left out. So God asked me to do something I was created for but not trained for, and that is uh, homeschooling. She got to third grade and she just was not clicking with mama. And it was real painful to know what a reciprocal, loving, trusting a relationship was by having infants. And still, Elizabeth and I are not, mm, that's just not our relationship. So uh, we homeschooled. And it really made a big difference in our relationship. And at one point, we went to um, Kidder Creek. Christian camp that Mount Hermon owns. We went to horse camp. And the Lord put it on my heart that I needed to ask Elizabeth to forgive me for, for all the mean things and all the anger that I had for her. Because crunch, she's the one that went through the trenches. But um, we finally connected. And so you do what God calls you to do. You don't just do the easy road. Because if I hadn't a homeschooler, she would be on the streets. I can't tell you. She told me that when she went up to college. She's like, Mom, if you hadn't homeschooled me, I would be so lost. I would be so on the wrong road. So, obey. I recommend it. <laughs> you won't regret it. <laughs> do it. He'll empower you. Um, No, it was that she left for school and she came home and she just had homework to do. So my job was always, you need to do this, you need to do that. This is your room. It was a never, uh, let's do something fun together. So the homeschooling was awesome because we read together and that's how we connected. And we studied and we learned and we, it, was, it, was, it was the one thing that we could do that we really enjoyed. And we were, we were home all the time together and that's what mothering is, right? You've got to be around to develop the relationship and develop the trust and the consistency and they, they, uh, they bond way more the more you're with them, so, which is pretty much true for any relationship. Um, I could just share you two seconds about the rest of my um, passions. I, um, I'm a nurse sonographer at 
I don't know if you've heard of CareNet. It's a national organization that um, we do free prenatal care. I do ultrasounds. And so um, after parenting three kids, and I'm still working on the last one, I really felt God's call in my life to do um, nursing. And um, I find it rather wonderful that child number two, Joshua, who's 18 now, he really, really gets it that life is sacred at conception. It begins, he was planned by God, he was frozen for four years, and God has allowed his life to be a testimony of this wonderful miracle that he survived the thaw, yippee, <laughs> as did his brother and several other. I think we're, Nightlight Embryo Adoptions is way into the 500s of children who were frozen and thawed and adopted. So um, it just, you know, God used me to be a vessel to bring children into the world through embryo adoption. And so we have, we have domestic, you have international, you have international. Our friend uh, has done Fost Adopt. And so kind of to, to sum it all up, I would say be careful to obey God. Uh, every moment, moment by moment, when you're parenting, when you're seeking another child, you're seeking to adopt, you're seeking to support your grandchildren, your children. I, I love the fact that all the years that I had Elizabeth in the beginning was really, really emotionally traumatic. And my support system, aside from Sandy, was I could call my mom and just tell my mom and dad all of my hurts and pains and they were so faithful to listen to me and love me and honey we're praying for you and we love you and you're going to make it and it's going to be okay you know <laughs> please be that for someone we need that this is a tough road i'm not trying to scare you out of it i'm trying to scare you into it if you're if you're called do it because we're moms and dads, and our kids are like the best gift ever, and we're super grateful. So uh, my last verse is Genesis twenty-two eighteen. You know, God told Moses, um, we, you'll be blessed because you have obeyed me. And so I just challenge you for that. So um, now it's your turn. You guys can open your questions. If you want, I'll uh, give you the mic. And who would like to ask a question? Yes. Here we'll left. Here you go. This is say your name and what's your question? Yeah. Please. My adult daughter is going to have a foster child, and I'm not really expecting that child to like me. She's not expecting that child to like her. Um, but still, I want to um, be involved without. Um, Kind of getting in that child's space when they're not ready um, and I'm not quite sure I guess it depends on the individual child but I'm not quite sure how to approach it you did give me a tip about whatever you do make sure you're trustworthy which I will be but um, as far as that goes you know what was it like uh, when you adopted older children and introducing them to a significant other does anyone have any experiences about that how the child reacted you do okay 
So um, it's interesting. So being a single mom adopting 16-year-olds, right? So um, first thing I would say is just as far as what you're asking, do you be consistent? They will push your way. They'll test you constantly. And it's really important that you're consistent, that you don't ride their wave because then they're not sure what to trust. So have that consistency in their lives. Even if they're pushing your way, still be there for them, still love them. Uh, the other part, as a single mom, so I was still wanting to be married, um, so I was dating people, but very carefully. And I remember this one instance where there was a gentleman who came over, and he met the girls, and we, were ha we had dinner or something, and then they just totally had a breakdown because my attention was going to somebody else. And so they actually started screaming that he needed to leave our home because he should have the same curfew they had. It was kind of like, you know, it's not logical. But the thing is that they were fearful that they were going to lose whatever attention they were getting from me. There's like this competition for my love now, even though they didn't know that, and I didn't even realize, realize that at the time. But just be very careful about introducing new people who won't be in their lives regularly. Uh, that's the one thing I would say, go cautiously and prayerfully and make sure that, they're, that you sense that they're ready to meet somebody and only when you think they're going to be a regular part of their lives. So I think with single parenting, people say in general, um, don't introduce your kids to everybody who you date because <laughs> they don't need to go through the connect and disconnect. You know, they don't know how to process that, even you know, whether it's biological kids or adopted kids. So I say go prayerfully and carefully. To me is... Um, don't ever disconnect, even though it's difficult to connect. Does that sound right? Uh, I would say yes with a caveat. Follow what God's calling you to. There was a point in our, my journey with my girls where I remember I prepared this beautiful Thanksgiving dinner, and there was my two daughters. One of them had a boyfriend, and her his mother was visiting from Ukraine, and she didn't speak English, but she came to dinner. And I think my son was already born. I don't remember. But we had this Thanksgiving dinner. And at the table, after all this beautiful dinner, I just served dessert. And they announced that they're going to change their names. And they're not going to have the names I gave them anymore. They're going to change their last names and even their first names back. And so it's, that was one way to attack me, to say, um, you know, they're protecting themselves, but testing me. So they announced this at the dinner table. I almost lost it because I was like, I just did this nice Thanksgiving dinner. And then, so I went in the kitchen. I was having this little breakdown. And the Lord said to me, don't stop loving them. So don't ever abandon them because I already know what that feels like from my own dad. Don't abandon them. But he said, also, you don't have to accommodate them. My daughters were already, you know, by that time, 18, 19. But he said, you don't have to accommodate them. So it just means don't play the game that they're playing with you. And so that's the part where, you know, understand what's healthy for you as well. Have those boundaries, but still continue to love them. And that, again, requires asking God for how to do that. I hope that helps. But. Have been really great grandmas since we've added all these kids at different ages and stuff. I'd say one thing is they treat all my kids um, as their grandkids, you know, they, they're all fully in. And she, you know, I mean, they, everybody gets a birthday card. They don't show favoritism to my older boys who are birth children. It's like, you know, we've get, get talked to kids from all over the world. It's like once they're in their grandma, the kids haven't always reciprocated. Even my mom gets a little hurt once in a while because my kids, want, a couple of them will kind of reject her if they haven't seen her in a while. But she doesn't show that to them. And so I really just appreciate 
my mother-in-law has set up a trust for the kids and she's added in money <laughs> to treat them all equally and fair. And I just am so blessed by that. It's like they're all our kids and they're all her grandkids on both of them. So that's been a huge blessing and I think um, that's just showing God's love to all of them regardless of how they've come into our family. Anybody else have a question? So um, my husband and I were getting ready to get fingerprinted, uh, which is important when you're helping someone who has a foster child. But there's probably other things we haven't learned yet about, uh, and I don't know if anyone can even answer this, but like, do you need to get your car certified? And you know, all the ins and outs of um, the legalities of being with a foster child. Does anyone know those kind of things? Elementary school. Yeah. Yes. Like our children, we have three children that are adopted, foster adopt. But I know that um, in our situation anyways, in order to care for a child, especially overnight or mm -hmm. for anything past a few hours, yeah, you have to do the, you know, background check, the home study, the fingerprinting. The whole Even if thing. Um, I I don't think so. I think it's more of if you're going to take them overnight or for a weekend, is and when they're fostering, you they have to be with a licensed person. So yes, if it wasn't you, then they would need to go stay with another foster family if your daughter ever. Yeah, we're a foster family here locally, and I think it does change per county, um, some of the rules. But um, they have a law called the prudent parent law, and they don't want your, your foster children to feel separate from your biological or other adopted children. So, like, if my kids are going to go with grandparents, the foster children are allowed to go to grandparents, too. They don't want you to separate them. And... But if it's going to be over a certain amount of time, it might be 48 hours. I'm not positive on that one. Then they would want you to go through the fingerprinting process. But it's, it's not a huge ordeal. They, they want those children to feel a part of the family and not separate. A foster child for a temporary time. And the goal is for them to go back to their family. Are there rules about whether you could, she could bring this child to Mount Hermon to a religious retreat or anything like that? <laughs> We've brought our foster children here. So um, it, it would depend on what's going on in the court case. Um, a involved parent could veto that. For him, for example, we were going to Hawaii and they tried to stop it, but they were too late. And so he came with us. 
So they could have gotten a court order and made him go to a separate home while we were on our vacation. It, it's very up and down, and, and it depends if the family wants to try to be involved in those kind of ways. I would just add, um, just touch, obviously it sounds like you are very prepared and ready, but just have open communication with your daughter. In our case, um, it was really sweet. Trago's parents, our girls that we have now adopted, but um, they were two at the time, and they just have no safety awareness. Um, they have special needs. And it was really sweet the day they told us that his dad installed locks on all of their exterior doors. And they don't watch our girls a lot because, honestly, they're a big handful. But it was just really sweet to think that they had thought that we didn't ask them to do it. Um, we're honestly comfortable when people come to, it's a lot of people have to come to our home now because we've prepared a place for them. But it was just really sweet to think like, oh, they thought about the fact that even when we're just there for a short family dinner, we're always thinking that they could get out the front door and be at the street. And um, so every child's different and every need's different, but just having open communication and, you know, is there any way we can make it safer, any way we can make it more comfortable? We had to leave Thanksgiving early, you know, in those early times. We were at Thanksgiving for maybe an hour, and then we left. And it was sweet to know that they understood, and, you know, we'll try again next time. But just be flexible, because all kids are different. Um, How do you know when you're ready to adopt? Uh, you know you're ready to adopt when you don't got no other choices. <laughs> no, that's one. Because that's, you know, I remember, I remember when we found out medically that that was the road we needed to take. And, you know, we just went from this road to this road. <laughs> and, you know, obviously, it's maintaining that, number one, I want to be obedient to the Lord, but your heart, God, just just fills this huge, full lake of water, and it's just busting to gush forward and love children, and you're just like, that's, that's all you think about, and man, you just can't wait. You just can't wait, right? Isn't that how it was? You just could not wait. Just dying to have children. Oh, my gosh, that was me for... My poor family. They got so sick of that whole prayer request. <laughs> Grief. <laughs> I mean, that went on for years. Yes, dear. I think for me, part of the readiness had to do with the understanding that we are adopted sons and daughters of God. To me, that authenticated uh, the membership of that child in our family. So my readiness, I think, pivoted on that point. And that made it all made it all good. And I don't think that you can ever be fully ready because there's no guarantee of what is going to happen or what you're going to receive into your home. So I think um, to say like, oh, when I'm ready, 
you just have to be willing to accept whatever God has for you and, and whatever comes, just say, okay, this is what we're going to do now. So, um, I just want to say I have two adopted children through a county adoption, and we got both of them very young. One was a newborn, and one was two and a half months old. And um, I have to say the joy that they have brought into our lives is just immense, but you have to be ready for a roller coaster ride because there's a lot to it. And there's excitement. There, it's just like ups and downs, and very emotional, but it's so, so worth it. Quick question. Are you comfortable sharing a little more about where you are in the decision so we can support you? Or So I can, well, so far as I know, I can't have children of my own just yet. Like um, maybe through in vitro and things like that. I'm a like 28-week preemie. So like just had issues in birth. So like I'm hopefully... You know, whenever we have money right and things right, uh, we'll be able to do, go that route. But in case it's not a possibility, I have a nine-year-old. He's phenomenal. So technically, I've already adopted. But as far as, like, going out and venturing out to find a child, that's kind of where I'm at right now. My wife, she has a heart for children, 100%. She homeschools our son, and it's just beautiful like it's absolutely amazing you put a child in front of her or around her that child will be better you know so i know that god has it in her heart to have more children and i'm trying to figure out you know when when will i just know that that's where i need to go something i would encourage you to do is to spend time with other families who have already been down the path you're considering so um, that's what's helped me is seeing other families because before I adopted my two daughters from Russia, I started meeting families in the, our church at the time where they had already adopted kids from the same orphanage. So right now there are probably about 30 kids in the Bay Area who've been adopted from the same two orphanages that our church was going to uh, each summer. So my girls have people, kids, um, adults now, in the community who were in the same orphanage. And sometimes they, those connections stay and sometimes they don't. But but it just helps to connect with other families or people who have been down that path. I would recommend that. This is um, more of a practical question. Um, because our daughter, she w has enough money to do this, but just barely. Um, and so besides um, the foster child getting um, an allowance from the county, there must be other organizations out there that she can reach out to if, say, the child needed something extra, like braces that she couldn't afford. Does anyone know anything about that? Oh, I was going to say, there's a, well, one of the organizations that's helped me and um, the others of us in this community that we're in the Bay Area, um, Help One Child, is, it's called Help One Child. They're specifically in Santa Clara County and San Mateo County, but they can give you a lot of advice. I don't know what county you're in, but they, um, they have a lot of information, a lot of helpful resources. And there's an organization that came out of the Midwest called, um, there's a group, a program called Safe Families for Children. 
and their goal is to have uh, communities and families within the church intervene and help families before they get to where they need foster care. So they want to create safe families where kids have a safe place to go, even if it's temporary. But, um, but so the Safe Families Organization may have more information because they're in different places around the country. Um, <coughs> two other resources I just wanted to bring about was obviously me being a nurse sonographer. When I have a client who has an unplanned pregnancy, I give her three choices and I inform her of her three choices, and she chooses her choices. That's obviously to parent, abort, or adopt. And so, you know, that it's, it's, a, it's, it's an option that your local Christian adoption agencies, they're, they're, they're like 0.8% choose life and place their child for adoption. So foster care, <laughs> a heck of a lot easier, <laughs> a lot faster. <laughs> um, and then... The other um, resource, speaking of what you were saying, uh, agency is, is called Olive Crest. They are involved in a lot of adoption, foster care, support services. So if you want to Google them and find out how maybe you could be a respite parent, you know, to help people who are already adopting, because that's not what God's calling you to do right now, or maybe you are to be adopting or helping. So Olive Crest and is a great agency. So. So um, let me ask my dear spiritual father to close us in prayer. <laughs> father, you have modeled, even as we've heard this week, um, the type of people that uh, you've given us capacity to be. And we could be parents like you. Uh, we can take in um, uh, the stranger, the, the fatherless. Um, and uh, we would pray, Lord, that through your sovereignty you would make um, these who have such eager hearts to um, do what you want them and call them to do, that uh, your name would be glorified and that the uh, stories of heaven would grow as uh, we'll have eternity to reflect back on the wonderful things that uh, you did with our lives and the lives of others uh, who were treated with the love of God that you'd shed abroad in our hearts. We thank you for these dear ones that have come and who have experienced it as uh, those in the past as well as those that are thinking presently and into the future of how you might uh, use uh, this means of uh, fulfilling your will for them. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.